tell you about the dream I had last night. <laughs> it was <laughs> alarming. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Steve Bannon was trying to murder me. Wait, what? Yes. One, who has ever had a dream about a president's chief of staff trying to kill them? Steve Bannon was, I don't know how he got in my dream. I don't know what he's doing in my subconscious. He he tried to kill me multiple times. After a failed attempt, he hired a hitman to strangle me, and he watched. This sounds like, realistic, though. Watch. This oh my like god, my, my dreams were so so have been so realistic lately. They're terrifying. Like I can't honestly I have to wake up and like ask Sam like what's going on, what is happening. What was Did he this wearing? Actually happen? What was he wearing? Well, I don't remember what he was wearing. I just remember the look at in his eyes <gasps> as he watched this hitman strangle the life out of me. Isn't that terrifying? Did you die in your dream? Because when I was I, little, they told me if you die in your dream, you die in real life. That I don't think that's real. I was like dying. <laughs> I was dying and I then I woke up and I was like, no, no, nah, I'm not dying today. And I like woke up and I was like, oh, not today, oh Steve Bannon, not today, Steve Bannon. Huh? Well, that I mean, that was a, one the of devil's the lie. If you yes. think he's going to kill me in my dream, <laughs> I'll become I'll make them. I'll get some lucid dreams real quick and be like, flip the script. It I'm was, coming for you. It was crazy, man. But uh, anyway, I'm Kat. I'm Misha. And welcome to Unlearned. So, uh, we're at the very end of Black History Month. This was the fastest Black History Month I have ever experienced. They gave us the shortest month, so it's I, short every time. Haters. Yeah. It's up on leap year. It's just like a one day longer. <laughs> no, we should get that day off. Dead. I know. All Black people should get the last day of leap February year. <laughs> leap February year. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's I yeah, definitely. I support that. <laughs> make it happen, government. Yeah, right. Like this. I'm gonna run for office good. just to make that happen you in Chicago. Should. I <laughs> Chicago takes a lot of fake holidays off, like Pulaski Day. Uh I feel like that's so if I'm like, oh no, that's a fake holiday. Columbus Day, that's mm. a fake holiday. That's a fake holiday if I've ever heard one. But yeah, like they're just like not real days that when you're like in CPS you get off. It's ridiculous. Um, I would not have complained. I know. I mean, it's spectacular, but it's just like, you still have, like, people still have to go to work on Pulaski Day, but then they were like, what do we do with my kids? If the South was going to be so crazy with slaves, we at least should have got some of the holidays off celebrating the generals. (laughs) We didn't get not one Like Davis Jefferson Day. Right. Give me some some days off. It's hot. That's that's what happens when you lose the war. You don't get no. Yeah, but we were the first to secede. That showed some kind of, you know, leadership. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. What People an alternative. Such pride. People have such pride in being the first to secede. Like, <laughs> and nobody ever really talks about how we lost. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was just like, we were the first to secede. And I'm like, yeah, but we also lost, y'all. But then, like, also, like, southern people love to act so patriotic mm-hmm. and i'm just like you try to leave this nation you try to be your own nation don't tell me America. texas tries to leave once a year i know yeah that's a uh, that's ugh, okay well uh that none of this stuff is our topic for today but uh well it all got I started have, with demon dreams i know <laughs> I have something very special for Misha today. <gasps> We're going to play a game for our first segment. What's it, what's it called? It's called Two Truths and an Alternative Fact. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's creative. It's exactly like uh, Two Truths and a Lie, and it's about Donald Trump. Ooh. So I'm going to read off uh, three statements. Two are true. One is an alternative fact. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. okay are you, so you're going to guess the alternative fact. I'm ready. ready. All right. And listeners, you can play along. Pause after you hear it. Yeah. Select. <laughs> One. Donald Trump is dyslexic. This has caused issues for him as president because he sometimes mixes letters up in his signature. Sources in the White House says, say that he has had to go back and sign new copies of several of his of his executive orders, most notably his infamous travel ban. Wait. Two. I just have a going. question. No, there's okay. no questions. No, you got to listen to them all. Oh. In the second grade, Donald Trump punched his music teacher in the face, giving him a black eye because he didn't think his teacher knew anything about music <laughs> third donald trump has his own board game called trump the game it was discontinued in 1989 but reintroduced in the midst of his the apprentice fame he attempted to trademark the phrase you're fired but was denied by the u.s patent and trademark office what is the alternative fact cap i'm so confused because i get being dyslexic Mm-hmm. But it's like your signature, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doubting that he's dyslexic. But I'm just <laughs> like, your signature though, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I could also see him punching just about anybody because <laughs> he thinks they don't know anything. <laughs> so what is not true? What if I stated that's not true? That's an alternative fact? Yes. Oh, this is some good ones. <laughs> I'm going to say that he is not dyslexic. You're correct. That is the alternative <gasps> fact. <gasps> that one felt so true. But I was like, look, I was like, if you would have said anything else besides he got his signature wrong. Right. <laughs> I would have been like, mm, I don't know, but muscle memory just kind of trumps a lot of things. Trumps. Cool. <laughs> um, second one. Are you ready? Oh, my God. This is like multiples. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Which one is the alternative fact? On October 30th, 1998, Donald Trump and Ringo, starred, uh, and Ringo Starr appeared in the same episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, my God. Donald Trump has fathered multiple children outside of his three marriages, the oldest of whom is 22. Those close to Trump says he insisted on his love children taking his name in exchange for monthly stipends paid to their mothers. Many critics, this is the next one. Many critics have accused Trump's hair of being fake. However, Mr. Trump begs to differ, alleging that his wife, Melania Trump, cuts his hair and that the only other special treatment is it receives is shampoo, combing, and hairspray. No conditioner? Oh. <laughs> I don't know this man's life. I mean, no wonder it looks like dry spaghetti if you ain't <laughs> using conditioner. So what is the alternative fact? I'm going to say he wasn't on Sabrina. He was. No! He was on Sabrina the Teenage Sabrina the Teenage Witch? He was on it? Yeah, on their on one of their Halloween I episodes. Can, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you can find it on his IMDb page <laughs> under actor. 
Do you want to know what the alternative fact is? Yes, which one? He did not father multiple children outside of his marriage that we know of. But that's the alternative fact. That's what we made up. I'm just so pissed he doesn't use conditioner. But I, I, can't, I can't judge anybody's life. Isn't As a black weird? woman, I'm like, do you know what would happen to my hair if I didn't condition? Right. <laughs> I just like thought it was funny that Melania cuts his hair. Cuts so his cute. hair. He shampoos, combs, and sprays. Mm-hmm. There is no moisture there. Mm-mm. I'm so mad about Mm-mm. this. <laughs> How do we expect somebody to lead our country if they can't even moisturize? <laughs> and for our last one, are you ready? I'm ready. This game just <laughs> pissed me off. <laughs> Trump passed up on the chance to buy the New England Patriots in the 80s because he thought they were a bad investment. Yes, the multiple Super Bowl winning New England Patriots. Uh, Next one. In 1990, 1990, Trump threatened to sue the stockbroker firm Janie Montgomery Scott after an analyst said Trump's Taj Mahal wouldn't survive financially. The analyst was fired for it, and later the same year, Taj Mahal declared bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. The final one. Trump struggles with bedwetting when sleeping in unfamiliar beds. This is why he has always traveled back to his penthouse in Trump Tower during during the campaign, and why once and why once he was elected, he had his bear his bed airlifted from New York to the White House at the expense of one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars taxpayer dollars. What is the alternative fact? I want to say bedwetting so hard. I want to say it so hard. But I've said that, that oh, I'm going to go for the New England Patriots. You were right about bedwetting. No! <laughs> Trust your instincts, folks. This is what this has showed us is you really got to trust your instinct. Yes. And that Misha thinks that Trump's a bedwetter, which I myself don't personally doubt, but <laughs> there's nothing to prove that he is a bedwetter. That would seem very true. His hair. <laughs> You're really not over the hair. <laughs> I'm so mad about this. <laughs> Listeners, tell us how many you got right. Yeah. Let us know. And. I got this one out of three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm 33%, 33.3 continuous percent. <laughs> but that was fun. I enjoyed that. Oh, my God. A regular oh, segment. Right? <laughs> that was like kind of hard to make. So maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, but uh, today we're going to talk about um alternative identities so there are certain most we spend so much time talking about the identities that we did not choose like being born a woman or mm. being born black or being or being born beautiful or be- <laughs> and gorgeous like us <laughs> or like being born queer like those are things that we absolutely can't change about ourselves but there are some some identities that we have chosen for ourselves um, one something that me and Misha identify with are being one environmentalist and two agnostic. So we're just gonna like talk about a little bit about our experience and just kind of discuss um, alternative identities and identities that you choose. Cat, 
<laughs> agnostics, <laughs> black ones. Let yeah. me read some statistics to you, okay? Okay, sounds good. So I was looking this up, mm-hmm. and I looked up a Pew Forum mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, research from 2009. So look, it's a little old, <laughs> but it's not completely incorrect. And out of all of the black people in the United States, 87% of them identify as Christian. 1% Muslim, 5% Catholic. That surprised me. Mm-hmm. Less than 0.5% atheist and 1% agnostic. Mm-hmm. There are not That's a lot of interesting. us. That's, I would expect that there'd be more. Like I know that there have been, there's been a trend among the millennials moving away from the church. But like I, I do also know quite a few religious black people of my age and my age range well that's why i think our our identities feel alternative (laughs) because there is this narrative that if you are black you are religious right and in some ways the statistics say yes (laughs) because only about 1.5 percent say they were not religious Mm. Mm. Well, either atheist or agnostic. So I guess you can yeah. identify in a lot of other ways. Yeah. But, but still, thumb stats are intense. Intense. We end a few. <laughs> so like why I know we've talked a bit about religion before on the show and why we chose to move away from it. But can you share some like your personal experiences around it and and how people have like view you now that when you tell them like, oh, I'm agnostic. Yeah, so in general, I think that me being agnostic makes a lot of sense now that I look back at different stages of my Christianity. Because I think, you know, during the process, I was always a person that was questioning and my Sunday school was questioning. I was always like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) The flood does not make sense. How are you telling me any of this makes sense? And so I was constantly given like faith. That's why, like, Mm -hmm. that's why I make, you know, that's why you believe this. And I remember even, you know, in a period of time in high school thinking like, maybe I don't believe this. Maybe I am atheist, but the way that atheism and agnosticism was presented to me at that age was to be atheist equaled to be like a devil worshiper yeah, or, a, or a Satan worshiper, you yeah. know, it wasn't like, Oh, like you literally just don't believe anything. It was mm-hmm. like, you are demonic. Right. <laughs> so I think that even though I was really struggling in high school, I didn't want to be anywhere close to that identity because I attributed to attributed evil to it in some mm-hmm. ways into that identity. And so I think that that began this battle between like, okay, I think that I'm Christian a lot in name and it was a lot of having to force myself mentally to hold on to that identity. And I think that I was just really afraid of the social implications of coming out and being like, I don't actually believe this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in grad school, I was around all of these amazing Christians Mm -hmm. and I constantly found myself questioning again, you know, to the point of where I was like, the Bible's not the word of God. Jesus is not the son of God. Heaven and hell don't exist. None of this is real. This is very white. This is very male. Mm-hmm. And somehow a lot of these other people found a way to believe in a way that was so admirable to me, admirable to me, that I was just like, I don't have to pretend. I don't have to pretend to do this. 
And I remember two of my friends, actually, one who's a Baptist and one who's a Catholic, kind of sat me down and were like, it's very clear that the only reason you hold onto this identity is because of the social thing, because you're afraid to let go. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but you're happy that way. You're happy not to necessarily hold that identity. So like, like live into that, live into your agnosticism, figure out what that means for yourself. So I'm always like, it took two Christians to like <laughs> convince <laughs> me to like, to really hold on to my agnosticism and kind of give up that Christian, that Christian title. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I think when I started to hold that identity, it was very weird socially because even in the classroom, before I would say things and people would be like, well, yeah, good point. As soon as I was like, actually, I'm trying to like identify as agnostic, people would be like, mm, you can't say that. Like, you can't say that. And I would be like, but the only thing that has changed is like one week of being agnostic. You know, like, <laughs> I still have like 23 years of being Christian. So I like right. understand this stuff. You right. know? And then I think that when I started to enter in black spaces, I started observing how differently people would treat me if I said that I was agnostic. Mm-hmm. Even now, if I'm in a room with predominantly black people or people of color, I'm just kind of like, mm, <laughs> I'm not going to say a thing. Um, but I think something else that was very hard for me socially was telling my family. Mm-hmm. That was very hard because they're all Southern Baptists. <laughs> and when I told my sister, she was like, I don't get it, but... <laughs> I love you. And I like understand where you're coming from. When I told my mom and stepdad, they were kind of like, well, as long as you believe in God, we really don't care. And I was like, mm, I don't know if that's what agnostic means, but okay. And like, I think there are some people in my family who still don't know, mm-hmm. you know? So I think for me, it's been so, it's been a slow rolling out of an identity because mm-hmm. of the, the such intense narratives I feel that come around being non-religious definitely in particular groups definitely that is where I am yeah <laughs> what about you cat start from the beginning Let oh, me know. No. that's a long story I mean I also I was I was I was Christian actually I it's funny that you couldn't believe that the five percent black people are Catholic because I was Catholic until I was 10 um, and I went to St. Sabina on the South Side, which is a pretty famous Catholic church. And it's like also all black. Um, so I be I converted to Lutheranism uh, when I was 10. And I was Lutheran mostly what? through college. Yeah, I, went I had no idea you were Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was Catholic for a while. Uh, I'm be- tell your story. Tell your story. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a Catholic who converted to Lutheranism. Mostly, like, basically what was happening is that my grandma would take me to Catholic church, and then my grandma died when I was 10, and so then my mom started taking me to a Lutheran church, and that is how that black all happened. Lutherans, too. Jesus. I know. they. I thought that it was normal to be a black Lutheran, and then we, they took us to this conference in Atlanta, and it turns out there are no black Lutherans. I, it was just like a sea of white people. And I was like so confused because it was like the first time I, I really saw like a sea of white people because I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and so I, it was just like this giant convention center full of white Lutherans singing like like there's a guy with a guitar. And I was like, where's the gospel music? Though? Open the eyes of my heart. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Were you once a performer? On the- <laughs> I wanted to be a worship leader. I wanted oh. a white one. So. <laughs> 
playing her guitar. Open the eyes <laughs> of my heart. <laughs> was so good. Oh my goodness, Michelle. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it was a w- interesting experience. I mean, like I always grew up in the black church. Um, my mom, she's a, she, my mom's so odd. Like I don't, I didn't, don't get her. She, it's not real. She's like told me that she's not religious, but she goes to church all the time. Like mm. she goes to church every Sunday and she's just like, oh, I don't know if I just really believe, but it's just like nice to go and like know people. And so church is very much for about community mm. for my mom. And that's, and I, when I became Lutheran, I get like ultra religious, um, uh, like almost to the point where I, or no, definitely to the point where I was extremely judgmental and mm-hmm. like rude to people, like telling my own best friend she was going to hell because she wasn't baptized. And I was just like kind of a shitty person when I was Christian um, because I, I spent more time like worrying about what other people were doing and judging them um, as opposed to being like, yo, live and let live, like d- live your life. I don't care if you're not harming other people then do what you do do what makes you happy so that's like around college i i had um i started questioning my faith because i had just like a series of traumas Mm -hmm. occur over um of course of like six months Mm -hmm. um and i was just kind of going through depression and uh, it was just I had a very rough freshman year, and and I was like still going to church, but the churches on the U of I campus were very very white, and I just I I just don't I can't do white church yeah. like I just can't like if there's not a gospel choir like why am I there? Um, frankly, so I was just like Ugh, whatever I don't need to go to church anymore, and then I started thinking more and more about like do I actually believe in religion and why am I like, why do I participate? And, and this was just kind of happening over the course of like my four years in college. And when I got back to Chicago, I occasionally went back to my old church, mostly because like my mom would ask me to go, but now I haven't been to my church in probably, I would say about two years or so. Um, mainly because, I just, I can't do it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not religious. I I listen to, like, my pastor, who's, like, the same pastor I've had for, mm-hmm. I've known this man for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's awesome. I love him. He performed my wedding ceremony. Like, we still have a good relationship, but I just couldn't, be, like, listen to it anymore. Mm. and none of it was like none of it's real and i don't miss the community of it like i've found community for things that like more closely align with my values um so i just kind of i'm really fully rejected it and my mom's always like oh you should come to church pastor misses you like she tries to like guilt me into it like every few months and i'm just (laughs) like mom you know i'm not religious like you just kind of have to accept that. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to church mm. because it's like it's not like a waste of time for me, but it's kind of a waste of time mm. for me. So uh, that's where I am. I haven't gotten like too many negative reactions. I my family are very fair weather Christians, so like <laughs> they're like uh, the C and E crowd. 
Christmas and Easter. So it wasn't like a big deal for my extended family Mm -hmm. because they're like they're religious to an extent, but you will not catch them in the pews every Sunday. Um, And that's yeah, that's just kind of how I haven't had too many negative reactions, Mm -hmm. but I'm definitely reluctant. Like when people start telling me about like their church or their prayer group or whatever, I'm super reluctant to say anything and I also like I feel like I always have to do like a qualifier when I say when I do say I'm agnostic I'm all right I'm like I don't even use the term agnostic I'll say I'm not religious but I'm spiritual Mm -hmm. and I think like people find it comforting that I have some faith even if it's not necessarily in the traditional god Mm. I come hard with the agnostic (laughs) I'm like, bam, agnostic. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of using like non-religious but spiritual. It's kind of like saying queer versus saying I'm agnostic, which is like bisexual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's how it is. Or like, that's how I kind of mitigate the reactions of people. Mm. And if I use like certain wording, people are more accepting. Like no one accepts <laughs> that I'm bisexual, but they're like, oh, you're queer. Cool. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Golly gee. <laughs> well, what did you, so my approach to religion now is I think religion is beautiful. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I, some of my favorite people, some of the people I look up to the most are people who have a very deep faith or understanding of the world in a very spiritual and religious way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's not necessarily thinking that there's anything wrong with religion it's an intellectual dissonance for me. It just mm-hmm. in my head, I think that I started to study sociology of religion and start to to study how we go about world building and meaning making and constructing our own reality. And that's when I that's when I thought, you know, I can still think that we create religion in this very complex process that takes that takes millennia. Mm-hmm. And also not be religious. Yeah. Yeah. I can just be like, I respect it. But because I think at least I understand it so well, it prevents me from fully engaging in it. Mm -hmm. And I I agree with you. I think that I, for a long time, I definitely had a really negative view of religion in general. Like, oh, well, I don't know. I didn't really have opinions on like religions outside of christianity Mm because i haven't experienced religions outside of christianity so i can't like personally put any judgment but like based on my experience with christianity i had a very just like negative picture of it and just a lot of negativity leaving the christian church Mm -hmm. but like now i i I definitely see the value in religion i definitely see the beauty in religion and i think like working with the interfaith organization has really assisted in how I kind of like view and formulate Mm -hmm. uh, my opinions around religion. But there's definitely like, there's definitely a lot of validity. There's definitely a lot of love too. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wish that people who preach love would love all religions, AKA no Muslim ban, whatever. (laughs) I have a question for you. Yeah. So one thing that you you said about your mom is very interesting to me because Mm -hmm. this is not the first time I've heard that. Yeah. In the sense of, I know a lot of black people or people of color who might not necessarily be on board with a theological 
aspects of a religious mm-hmm. tradition, mm-hmm. but really love the community aspect of a particular religion. Yeah. And so they will go to church, they will participate in the potlucks, they will host mm-hmm. Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you boil it down to the, the finer theological points, many people will be like, nah, I don't, I don't really agree with that. <laughs> I mean, so for one, it makes me think how accurate are the statistics that we read when mm-hmm. you have that type of mindset. And secondly, to think about what role the church plays for African-Americans and mm-hmm. people of color and how absolutely necessary it was for a time of slavery mm-hmm. and reconstruction and Jim right. Crow, just as an institution that provided support and safety for people. Definitely. And, and so I think when you, when people start to think about it in that way, it's like, yeah, I'm not leaving because yeah. this thing got me through <laughs> right. c- centuries, you know, like, mm-hmm. And that, I also wonder, like, you know, what was it like for you to not have that community anymore, to kind of leave that? Um, I was totally fine. Because mm-hmm. I, it's because it's like, I wanted to think more on my other identities. So like, being queer, and mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a black woman? And what what was like, my new white world which is my was like me at college um and i because i being honestly growing up on the south side i legit never had to think about my race Mm. like i'd never had to think about being black and going to a predominantly white space it's like i every day wake up the mirror and i'm like yeah i'm black (laughs) and i gotta like navigate the world that way and it was like it became something that was constantly on my mind constantly like Mm. in the forefront so i don't know i guess it kind of uh got replaced Mm. with understanding like my intersecting identities that's so crazy we have we had the opposite reaction yeah (laughs) because for me it felt like i was losing something so big Mm. i mean i went to div school yeah (laughs) yeah it played s- such a huge role in my social community, in my mental community, in my intellectual community. So much, I think, of how I defined myself for a really long time was through a religious or a Christian lens. And so when I stopped holding that identity, in a lot of ways it prevented me from ending though entering spaces where I found a lot of fulfillment and support. mm because I think then what you, you hold the identity as agnostic or atheist, because studies show that, you know, atheist, that, that identity, and, you know, people don't often distinguish between atheist and agnostic. So, like, mm-hmm. if I say I'm an agnostic, I think most of the time people hear atheist. Yeah. <laughs> and studies show that, like, for a lot of age groups, the coldness that people feel towards Muslims also are felt towards atheists, hmm. if not worse. So holding that identity just feels like people distrust, at least for me, it felt like people distrusted me so much when I would enter into those spaces. And it also felt like this detox of what does it mean to exist in this world and not have hope for another one? Mm. You know, like that to me was just a new revelation. Like what I don't have to focus on an mm-hmm. afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> like I just have to be good because 
I want to be good. Like, right. I don't have to. I'm not trying to seek reward. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it was just like tumultuous. But so do you find that after leaving um, religion, there there still is like a lot of the cultural aspects of it still hold with you? So like I can I, I still think it's really relatable when people um, say like specific reli- like Christian phrase, phrases, mm-hmm. especially if as it pertains to like the black church mm-hmm. or if I hear um, gospel music, I start jamming. I was like, yes, I like honestly <laughs> one night I went to karaoke and uh, the the like karaoke jockey started playing uh, melodies from heaven and we just fucking jammed like we just slayed uh, it's so funny too because i still jam to christian music yeah wait when like I, like Chris, like white guitar listen, listen. You, can't, you cannot guilt me okay so sometimes i'm just really sad Mm-hmm. I will put on Christian music. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you don't, didn't know me, I think that people would still think I'm Christian by a lot of the phrases I use. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, my God, my God. You know, yeah. like, I, I, I still... praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, that language is just so yeah. a part of who I am that it's not, it's not that now I don't hold the identity. I just divorce myself from everything in the culture. Right. It feels so incredibly natural to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like I I I still use like a lot of religious phrasing and terminology within like my own personal life and so like my partner who is non-religious and like um was like kind of exposed to religion but basically didn't go to church at the age of 13. Um I say like a lot of I guess quote unquote weird Christian phrases all the time and it's like <laughs> what? Uh, what what does that mean <laughs> and i and i bring like a, just a lot of weird christian phrasing into things so um i love the devil's a lie yes the devil oh is a lie i love that one and i'm i'm always just like uh peace be with you bless me <laughs> like blessings be to god and like just like weird so like i'm just always saying it though it's so weird one of my also favorites i don't say this often but mm-hmm. every time my friend says it it like I crack up so hard whenever I do something stupid. He's always like, if you let the devil ride, you know, we'll drive. (laughs) (laughs) If you let the devil ride, he'll want to drive. Just like, wow, what a great metaphor for a lot of things in my life. The one that I probably say the most often is that like when it's, uh, when I lift the blinds and it's like sunny, sunny out, I say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad to it. Thanks be to God for no reason. I have no reason Cat, to say this. This is so amazing to me because it's 633. Every yeah. time I see that time, I recite Matthew 633. <laughs> Even in my non-religious self. I always go, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Right. Every yeah. day. Every time I see that time, I'm always like, Bible verse time. It's, it's really so crazy. It's so comforting. Yeah, Even, definitely. That's why I really do understand that I, can, you know, people can go to church and be a part of that and feel comforted and feel safe, and not necessarily be on board with a a good majority of the stuff that happens or that is said. Right. 
And I know a lot of, I am one of my best friends is a queer black man mm-hmm. in the AME church, Same. which is just like, <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> but that's, so, I mean, so we were supposed to talk also about being black environmentalists, but I think we're going to have to save that for a different day because we are. Let's save it for Earth Day. Oh, ooh, clever. You're such a smart girl. That's why you're my buddy. Now we're going to take a quick break and finish up with our final segment. Wakey, wakey, Upper East Siders. Gossip Girls here. Your one and only source into the scandalous lives of rich white teens. I'm S. And I'm C. And we're Gossip Girls. And Gossip Girl, yes, it has been canceled to 2012, but we review every episode here at Post Loudness every Monday. You can check us up on our website, gossipgirls.symbolcast.fm, or you can follow us on Twitter at Gossip Girls Pod. And we're back. So now we are going to finish uh, or we'll continue our six part series with part four of opt out of white feminism. So this concept was brought to us by a sociologist named Deborah K. King, and it's called multiple jeopardy. So uh, frequently when people discuss inter- intersectionality, they're really referring to multiple jeopardy. And multiple jeopardy refers to the inability to pinpoint any one factor as the most significant explanation for oppression. I know, right? Like, the way that she talks about this concept is just so academic. Um, So, like, one of the the ways she talks about it, uh, she says... the equivalent formulation in racism multiplied by sexism multiplied by classism, the importance of any one factor in explaining black women's circumstances thus varies depending on the particular aspect of our lives under consideration and the reference groups to whom we are compared. And And I feel like I really live my life trying to figure out like, are they acting this way because I am a woman or is because I'm a black woman or is it just because I'm a black? I'm just a black. <laughs> a <laughs> just black. A, a, like, or is it of my obvious identities? What is, or of my perceived identities? Why is this person being so stank to me? And like, if, so sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's, I'm pretty sure it's because I'm a woman. Like, that's why he's being misogynistic or that's why he's mansplaining it to me. I think he would do this to any woman. Well, but then like, being a black woman is like, what? Yeah, yeah, she must be extra dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that to my master's We want degree. to oppress her more. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's a really cool concept. Uh, and it's just like, I've never really had the words for it. But if mm. and if you haven't had the words for it, it's multiple jeopardy. Mm. no it's like just no one factor contributing to your oppression crazy crazy life well we have two more parts of our six-part series um and we cannot wait to share them with you so stay tuned Thanks for listening to today's show. You can like us on Facebook at Unlearned. Follow us on Twitter at Unlearned underscore shy. Write to us at unlearnedpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website at unlearnedpodcast.com. Thanks to James C. Green for our music and graphics. A special thanks to Sam Betts for supplying us with all of those lovely alternative facts. Mm. 
whoa yeah he just literally just he's really good at making up fake facts it's kind of it must be a white guy thing <laughs> um you can <laughs> you can find us on itunes stitcher and google play uh don't forget to hit subscribe and rate our show we would greatly greatly appreciate it we want all the stars we want all the stars no we, re- we really do um and you know also recommend the show to a friend that would also be super dope uh thank you so much for listening and bye, bye. post loudness audio